based on the traditions of men living in shorelands and familiar with rivers running into the sea. Number six actually mentions Belfalas, the windy bay of Bel, and the sea-walled tower, Tirith Ia, of Dol Amroth. Number sixteen mentions the seven rivers that flowed into the sea in the South Kingdom, and uses the Gondorian name of high elvish form, Firiel, mortal woman. In the Langstrand and Dol Amroth there were many traditions of the ancient elvish dwellings, and of the haven at the mouth of the Morthond, from which westward ships had sailed as far back as the fall of Erigion in the Second Age. These two pieces, therefore, are only rehandlings of southern matter, though this may have reached Bilbo by way of Rivendell. Number fourteen also depends on the lord of Rivendell, Elvish and Numenorian, concerning the heroic days at the end of the First Age. It seems to contain echoes of the Numenorian tale of Turin and Mim the Dwarf. Numbers one and two evidently come from the Buckland. They show more knowledge of that country, and of the Dingle, the wooded valley of the Withywindle, than any hobbits west of the Marish were likely to possess. They also showed that the Bucklanders knew Bombadil, though no doubt they had as little understanding of his powers as the Shire folk had of Gandalf's. Both were regarded as benevolent persons, mysterious, maybe, and unpredictable, but nonetheless comic. Number one is the earlier piece, and is made up of various hobbit versions of legends concerning Bombadil. Number two uses similar traditions, though Tom's raillery is here turned in jest upon his friends, who treat it with amusement, tinged with fear. But it was probably composed much later, and after the visit of Frodo and his companions to the house of Bombadil. The verses of Hobbit origin here presented have generally two features in common. They are fond of strange words, and of rhyming and metrical tricks. In their simplicity, hobbits evidently regarded such things as virtues or graces, though they were no doubt mere imitations of elvish practices. They are also, at least on the surface, light-hearted or frivolous, though sometimes one may uneasily suspect that more is meant than meets the ear. Number fifteen, certainly, of Hobbit origin, is an exception. It is the latest piece and belongs to the Fourth Age, but it is included here because a hand has scrawled at its head Frodo's Dream. That is remarkable, and though the piece is most unlikely to have been written by Frodo himself, the title shows that it was associated with the dark and despairing dreams which visited him in March and October during his last three years. But there were certainly other traditions concerning hobbits that were taken by the wandering madness, and if they ever returned were afterwards queer and uncommunicable. The thought of the sea was ever-present in the background of hobbit imagination, but fear of it and distrust of all elvish law was the prevailing mood in the Shire at the end of the Third Age, and that mood was certainly not entirely dispelled 
by the events and changes with which that age ended. The Adventures of Tom Bombadil Old Tom Bombadil was a merry fellow. Bright blue his jacket was, and his boots were yellow. Green were his girdle, and his breeches all of leather. He wore in his tall hat a swan-wing feather. He lived up Underhill, where the withy windle ran from a grassy well down into the dingle. Old Tom, in summertime, walked about the meadows, gathering the buttercups, running after shadows, tickling the bumblebees that buzzed among the flowers, sitting by the waterside for hours upon hours. There his beard dangled long down into the water. Up came Goldberry, the river woman's daughter, pulled Tom's hanging hair. In he went a-wallowing under the water